Comic Book Club News gives you the comic book news you need to know first thing in the morning every weekday in the form of digestible three to five minute long podcasts. Comic Book Club News recaps breaking news stories from Marvel, DC Comics, and beyond Monday through Friday. New episodes drop 6 a.m. ET in the Comic Book Club News feed so they're ready for you when you're ready for the day. Comic Book Club News. You hear it second or third, possibly fourth. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the stack. I'm Alex. I'm Justin. I'm Pete. And Justin's running on a little bit of a delay right now. That's no big deal. This is a nightmare. It. It's a living it's, nightmare. It's for censorship. He's, you know, he swears a lot more than us on the show, so we've got a little bit of delay on him. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I've got the bleep. We want to make sure he doesn't get too raunchy for the kids who listen to the show. No, listen, we value Justin's opinion. This is going to be a weird podcast. We don't care. Just enjoy it. Just (laughs) have fun with the opinions. Let's kick it off with an Empire Fantastic Four number zero from Marvel Comics, written by Dan Slott and art by R.B. Silva and Sean Zakes. This is... Running parallel to Empire Avengers number zero, which is setting up the new Empire event. Uh, in the issue, the Fantastic Four head to a planet. They encounter the Profiteer, who's a new member of the Elders of the Universe that was teased by Dan Slott on our live show. So definitely go back and listen to that. Uh, but, uh, Pete, what's your regular objection to zero issues? Go ahead. Okay, so first off, I see a zero issue and I get upset because I was like, why did you make this? You don't even believe in this comic. You labeled it a zero issue. Uh, If you really cared, you would make it a number one issue and really kind of put some thought behind it. This is, I think, a a really important issue for this whole kickoff. I'm just sad to see it labeled a zero issue because I think it's better than that. I I think it does do a good job, like Dan Slott said, of like setting up this big event we're about to get into. And it's fun to see that it's all the Fantastic Four's fault. Um, when you think about numbers, I feel like you don't have to rank them as like zeros worse than other numbers because numbers are pretty much ranked. That's the whole thing. So um, uh, zero is good. It's like right at the top. This is true. I think I, I don't know. I understand what you're saying about the zero issue a little bit like this is laying down the groundwork. This is laying the information for new readers so they can understand Um but I I do feel like a lot of the time it's playing to the crowd, if that's the expression, where it's like, if you're a comic book reader, if you're not a comic book reader, excuse me, you're not going to buy the Zero issue anyway. Exactly. So it doesn't necessarily help in that way. But this is a good, fun, Fantastic Four story. The art is good. Dan Slott's writing amazing. is good. I, all of the stuff with the Fantastic Four gambling, with the thing and Human Torch fighting and the uh, recreations of the Kree Scroll Roar, all just fun stuff across the board. So on that level, I enjoyed the issue. Yeah, I did too. I thought it was a fun issue, and you really get to see Dan Slott get to be Dan Slott. There's really fun, heartwarming moments. It's 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 a great kind of classic 
slot book, which makes me sad that it's just a zero issue and people won't care about it because it's like, oh, I just want to get to the event. Um, but yeah, I, I think this is, I was really surprised by how much I liked this issue. I was reading it with my arms crossed. Uh, but yeah, it won me over by the end. And how did you cla- turn the pages? <laughs> with my mind. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, it's nice to see that uh, going into this event, we know, you know, the Fantastic Four aren't as great as they should be. They caused a huge mistake, and that's going to be the downfall of uh, of civilization as we know it, it looks like. Wow, that's... Dan Slott's so great at taking, uh, like, really f- sifting through so much of the history of these characters and finding little bits and pieces to make relevant again, and that's what he does again here, and it's uh, it's great. Let's move on to Willow number 1 from Boom Studios, written by Mark... Uh, wait, Mariko Tabaki. Ah, my autocorrect. Mariko Tabaki. Yes. Illustrated by Natasha Bustos. Uh, this is spinning off of the Buffy the Vampire Slayer series, which has a different continuity than the TV show uh, as uh, Willow heads off on a, I don't know, what do you want to call it? Journey of the soul, something like that. Sure. Yeah, she is dealing with vision quest, vision quest. I think that's a good way of putting it and encounters a weird Brigadoon-esque town. I like this a bit. Uh, This, the Willa, the Dark Horse, excuse me, the Boom Studios, Buffy stuff increasingly is leaning into the way they hit the Dark Horse Buffy stuff, and I think that's only a good thing. Um, yeah, I would like to say that I at first I was like, oh, cool, Willow, and then I'm like, oh, it's not the Willow that I know and love. It's from Buffy. Um, I I really like this you book. You met Willow for the movie, the, the George Lucas movie yeah. with um, Val Kilmer and... Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, Pete, you know. sorry, did it make you mad... Mardigan? Oh, wow. You're real dad, and you're proving it with that <laughs> joke. Um, yeah, I think this was... Did you wonder if you should feed a baby black root? Because you should <laughs> never feed a baby black root. Oh, come on. I was raised on black root. Um, yeah, you it, it guys shows. have seen the movie. Congratulations. Way to quote <laughs> it up. Um, yeah, but I think this is... This is I could quote all day. All, all right, well, hit it up. Don't just say it. You know, prove it. Uh, don't, wow. Don't uh, wait Willow, for you him. are great. Which <laughs> finger would you choose to rule the world? <laughs> Patience, Willow. Courage, Willow. Willow! Tuatha, Tuatha, Tuatha <laughs> Danu. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, I just I immediately think of the jumping on the shield uh, kind of sledding moment. Uh, But yeah, Uh, I I was impressed with this book. I didn't think I would like it as much as I did. I think they do a great job of like kind of setting up this world and kind of getting you okay with what's going on and the kind of status quo of the new kind of Buffy world. Like before we're reading a lot of Buffy books and it's Things are different. So from this perspective, it made a little bit more sense to me, who's not as familiar with all the Buffy lore. So I felt like this was like a really kind of nicely paced story that I could kind of follow. 
Uh, I like this a lot too. Um, I feel like Mariko Tamaki's work is is so fun. I feel like there's there's so many details uh, here to really get into, and um, I always say I'm not a huge Buffy person, but this is a fun uh, issue, and I want to read more. Yeah, I like this quite a bit. I agree with you on Mariko Tamaki, who's awesome. Just on such a roll right now. Uh, this is good stuff. Moving on to Adventure Man number two. From Image Comics, script by Matt Fraction, pencil and colors by Terry Dodson, inks by Rachel Dodson. This is, of course, following up on the first issue when a single mom discovered a book left over by Adventure Man, a Golden Age-esque hero. Uh, And it turns out that his adventures might be not entirely fictional. In this episode, she starts to deal with those ramifications. Undercover uncovers the legacy of Adventure Man and looks into it. Uh, man, this is so good and so much fun at the same time. I am loving this book. Yeah, I mean, I was a little disappointed that, uh, you know, there was a moment where, like, uh, she's looking at this building and she's like, oh, my God, how come nobody can see it? And then the guy looks at it and he's like, what, that shithole? And then it says Pete's. And I was pretty upset by that, mm-hmm. that, like, you know, he called my place a shithole. And, you know, it was like, uh, you know, it's just crazy times right now. A lot of places are boarded up. We're waiting for the okay. So, you know, it would be nice if he didn't judge my place that I have. But um, Most of those boarded up places are named Pete's. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, yeah, I first issue, I was like, oh, this is kind of cool setting this up. But by this issue, uh, this issue, I'm really on board with what's going on. And uh, I know I say this a lot, but the art alone is worth it for picking up this book. <laughs> this is a really solid book and really picking up steam, which I'm excited about. Got that Dodson art. I agree. It's so good. And uh, it is. It's a really nice unfolding of... The story, um, it reminds me of a book I loved from way back in the day from Vertigo called Terminal City, um, which was very much in line with, um, what was the name of the old series? Uh, There was an Art Deco series from Dark Horse, I want to say like Citizen X, I think is what it was called. Uh, Great stuff. Definitely pick it up. This is very good. Uh, Moving on to Deceased Dead Planet, number one from DC Comics, written by Tom Taylor and art by Trevor Hairside. This is picking up on the Deceased series where essentially the DC universe has become zombified by the anti-life equation. This picks up years later, Earth has been abandoned. The heroes have established a new Earth 2 when they get a signal from Cyborg and head back once again to the earth, man, I love how much Tom Taylor figures out new ways of digging the knife into you with every single issue. Yeah, this is insane. Um, I also really like the bit uh, about social distancing in the first panel, which was pretty cool. Um, but I, I really... This is impressive. You kind of see a title like this and you're like, okay, this is going to be crazy. But this, uh, it really does a great job of capturing these characters and even the Earth 2 stuff is cool. Uh, I'm really impressed with this book. Uh, I thought this was a lot better than I thought it was going to be. I think this is definitely worth checking out. 
it continues to just be awesome the way they keep diving deeper and deeper into the, just the zombie this uh, zombie storyline and having a new uh, new ideas on it and uh it it get, it keeps getting better and it's a rare book that each new iteration feels like it's making steps forward I also feel like between this and Injustice, and I don't know if you guys read that, but Tom Taylor did an amazing job on that as well. They should just give him a mainstream continuity Black Canary and Green Arrow series because he clearly loves them and does such a good job of them in both series. Just like, just go for it. Like, he is the guy to do it. So make it happen. Uh, I can't, I'm looking forward to Wonder Woman uh, getting back to normal in this series because this is killing me seeing her like this. Mm. Death of Nancy Drew, number two from Dynamite Comics, written by Anthony Del Cole and art by Joe Isma. So this series, as we talked about, but the first issue caused quite a bit of controversy when it announced that for the anniversary of Nancy Drew, they're killing off Nancy Drew. <laughs> Not great, Bob, uh, but... As it turns out, spoiler twist in the last issue: Nancy Drew is not dead, and in fact, she's you can't teaming kill up. Nancy Drew. Can't kill Nancy Drew. She is teaming up with the Hardy Boys. She's not dead. She's killing it. Yeah, <laughs> uh, teaming up with the Hardy Boys to solve the mystery of who is trying to kill her, and that's what we pick up on here. What do you think about this issue? Yeah, I was really impressed with the first issue, and uh, I was worried about the second issue, but this really does a great job of holding all the momentum having some fun with it and still giving you like a solid who done it what's kind of going on twist and turn story um i'm really impressed with the art and the storytelling in this book i love the pace of this book i think this is a great book and i really look forward to i was i'm impressed for what what's going to happen moving forward I I like this a lot too. I was a big reader of the Hardy Boys books when I was a kid, so um, it feels like they're they're the Hardy Boys are well done here, where they don't really get along. They're from very different sides of the like detective coin, and mm-hmm. uh, it's uh, fun. Yeah, and the whole thing with the booth and the paneling with the dad and the daughter kind of back to back is heartbreaking in all the right yeah. ways. I, I really like that. Let's move on to Transformers Galaxies number seven from IDW, written by Sam Maggs and art by Beth McGuire Smith. Now, I think I've been pretty open previously on the podcast about how I'm not a huge Transformers fan. Like, I like them, but there's something about it that just doesn't uh, grab me, doesn't involve me. I love this comic. I thought this was great. This is about a lone Transformer on a ship adrift in the universe who is praying to Primus, doesn't understand why, ends up tracking down what's going on in the center of the ship and finding out things are, of course, not what they seem. And the character work that Sam Maggs does here is so good. Yeah, I mean, I definitely relate to that because as a young kid, I prayed to Primus as well. I was really into (laughs) grunge and like (laughs) thought Primus was pretty badass, you know. Uh, But uh, no, I was yeah, I was impressed by this. It's kind of fun to see uh, a Transformer kind of thinking about life and his place in it. And it's kind of interesting. It's a different kind of Transformers uh, story that I wasn't ready for. And I didn't hate it, even though it's a little different from the Transformers I know and love. 
I love this book too, Alex. I agree completely. Like, so it felt like getting into like faith, religion, like belief systems and all this. Like it was so good. Yeah. Great stuff. Let's move on to another great book, Stealth Number 3 from Image Comics, written by Mike Costa and art by Nate Belgard. Uh, So this is about a dude who has a very... I mean, the best way of describing it is like a very top cow image suit where it's like I'm wearing a mech suit and I beat the shit out of yes. people and I can shoot things. And that's pretty yeah. much it. But it picks up years later when it may have caused him to have dementia and his son doesn't know what to do about it. At the same time, an old enemy of the guy in the stealth suit has reappeared. The character work in this is so good, but also the layouts and the pacing from Nelt Belgard are so good across the board. This is one of my favorite books on the stands right now. Yeah, I was really impressed with this book. At first, I was kind of like, okay, you know, uh, where's this going? What kind of hero was this guy's father? Like, how is this going to work out? But I really loved this issue. And for me, this like really solidified as like, Ooh, this is going to be a great story. I love the villain villain in this. Like, this is a very cool story. I'm very excited to uh, to see how this goes. And also made me very nervous for what's going to happen with my dad. (laughs) Oh, wow. Interesting take. Uh, As always, I mean, I agree. I thought this was a great, this is a great comic uh, across the board. Um, The villain is so good. Um, the ruined hand, I think is his name and, um, uh, legit scary. And yep. the way they are positioning the characters in different, uh, spots against each other is just really smart. I love this. Yeah. Great stuff. Let's move on to quantum and Woody number four from Valiant comics written by Christopher Hastings and art by Ryan Brown. This is the end for now with quantum and Woody. They have been dealing with, a future Woody may be writing them. Uh, Quantum has been trying to figure out new powers. It all comes to head in this issue. Just we had Christopher Hastings on the show a couple of weeks ago talking about this, and it's just so good. The bits are so good. It's so fun. I hope, particularly given the cliffhanger at the end, without spoiling it, he gets to do more on this title because he has a real grasp of these characters. Yeah, it's interesting. This is kind of like a ghost issue where, you know, uh, he's kind of floating around and kind of exploring powers that way. But, like, the real fun is when we get them kind of back together and their interactions. So this is really well written. And the art's pretty amazing. Yeah. I agree. This is fun. They uh, – it. The art is cool. It has this sort of, um, I'm trying to think of the comparison, but it's like a little bit sketchy. It feels a little dist, like a little loose, uh, which matches the story really well and um, brings the characters together in a nice way at the end. Next up, Something is Killing the Children, number eight from Boom Studios, written by James Tyner IV, illustrated by Werther Del Adaria. This book, if you haven't been keeping up with it, takes uh. place in a small town. Monsters have been attacking the town, and spoiler, they're the ones that are killing the children. But as it turns out, there's a bunch of baby monsters who are only getting bigger all the time who are also attacking Meanwhile, a woman... And who- aren't they children also? Mmm. What is... Did you think about that? I actually did not think about that, but that's a good interpretation of the book, Justin. 
Uh, so there is also a young woman with Fuck yeah. big eyes who is trying to take down the monster. She has been paired up with somebody from her guilds, her sect, her society, who is much more by the books. Uh, and that's what we're getting here in this chapter. Every issue of this book is great. If you're not picking it up, it's terrifying. But the yeah. character work is so good. And it feels like a modern take on Buffy in exactly the right way. Yeah, I really love the way the in this issue we had the characters kind of grasping with the reality of what's going on. I can't recommend this book enough. The art is fucking balls, and the story is just fantastic. It's a real roller coaster ride of fun, and I really think it's worth checking out. This is a really solid book. Yeah, I think it's great as well. Um, like really moody and uh, horror horror driven in just the right way. And the children, it's children versus children, which is the ultimate uh, thing we're all looking for. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, let them fight, as I always like to say. Strange Academy number two from Marvel Comics, written by Scotty Young and art by Humberto Ramos. Uh, man, because of this uh, pandemic, I don't know if you guys have heard about this one. This has been very delayed, but I was very glad. Just started quarantining. <laughs> oh God, that's awful. Uh, the this book seems is not, fun. <laughs> this book has gotten very delayed, but it is a magic academy run by Doctor Strange. As you can figure out from the title, there's a bunch of second generation magical characters who are studying under the other magical characters in the Marvel universe. The thing that was really interesting to me about this issue is it was just them going to class. Like, I kept yeah. expecting a turn where they were going to have yeah. to fight somebody, there would be a mission or something like yeah. that. But it was just class, and I I respect that. Yeah, it kind of reminded me of, like, the baseball issue of X-Men or something where you're like, okay, but what's going on? And there isn't anything else. Like, this is it. So it was, uh, first of all, the art is just unbelievable. Really amazing characterizations of these characters. I love the way they look, the way they sound and feel. It's just really great. Um, but, yeah, you get into it. And it's like first period, second period. And you're like, okay, yeah, but what else? But then you realize, oh, this is it. Third period. It's crazy. Yeah, and then you kind of get an appreciation for what's actually happening and the world that they're building out. So you get to kind of see the professors and how they kind of run things. It's very enjoyable. If you like Wolverine and the X-Men from back in the day, I feel like yes. this is a good uh, like successor of that book. And so definitely worth checking out. Yeah, it also reminds me a little bit of Avengers Academy, if you like that book, from even further back in the day. Yeah. Um, just because you got these second-generation heroes who are all magical mixing up. Uh, but it's good. And Bruno Ramos art, Scotty Young writing, it's good stuff. Come on. Come on. Speaking of come on, this is a come gimme on. Come for on. Pete. I added this to the stack just for you, Pete. Ooh. Usagi Yojimbo, Color Classics number four from IDW, written art and letters by Stan Sakai. As you can figure out from the title, it is merely a issue of Usagi Yojimbo that has color. Pete, what did you think about this one? Okay, so. What's yeah. the deal with these guys? Is it a rabbit? It's a bunch of rabbits? Or what's okay, the deal? Okay, all right. Don't be an asshole. Don't be an asshole, okay? It's about a Ronin rabbit who, you know, walks the earth. Solving people's problems and helping I think he villages. Hops the earth. 
He does. He hops the earth. There's no hopping, you asshole. He Read hops the, the book. Earth. Read he it hops better. The earth. Um, so here's the problem I have. Okay, you're doing color classics. Cool, but the artist and writer who is the same person didn't do that. So you're kind of going back and trying to change something that is not really what is intended. So I'm a little like, well, okay, I loved it the first time around, but maybe making a color will get other people involved. I don't know. I don't know who people are like, oh, I only read colored comics. Uh, Black and white is dope too. Give it a chance. I only wow. watch uh, takedown. colorized versions of black and white movies because otherwise I just don't get it. Oh, okay. Yeah, I only watched the very first 20 minutes of The Wizard of Oz. What happens after that? Because I just <laughs> don't get it. Wait, Justin, did you just ask Wahoppies? I think that's what happened. Uh, I never said that. I said Wahoppies <laughs> like a rabbit, which is what a Usagi Ogunjimbo <laughs> is. Um, this is fun. I, this is fun. Um, despite what I'm saying, I did enjoy this. Oh, and good. I'm curious how this samurai rabbit is just going to continue to um, deliver eggs to children uh, every Easter. See, that's the nice thing is that he doesn't, you don't really get any rabbit in there. It's all samurai. He just happens to be a rabbit. So what if he's a rabbit? What does it matter? He's still trying to make a difference in this world, and you got to respect that. Why make him a rabbit then? Why not? <laughs> All okay. right. Let's move on to another one. Dryad number three from Odie Press, written by Curtis Weeby and illustrated by Justin Osterling. We've talked about the previous two issues of this book, and this is one of the most unpredictable books on the stand. Um, I almost yes. hesitate, if you haven't been reading it, to spoil any of the twists, but... Here, I'll spoil the way. The first issue was set up as a couple who is heading to a small fantasy-style village, even though magic doesn't exist, to raise their kids. They do. It seems like demons are returning. Second issue, the twist is, it turns out, nope, they're not demons. In fact, they're tech-based warriors, and magic doesn't exist in this world. Third issue, the twist is, yes, actually, magic does exist in this world, and they've got to go back to the city where they came from, even though their kids don't know anything about it. Um, man, this is, uh, we keep comparing this to Saga every issue, but, like, it is 100% accurate in terms of the comparison. I tell you, one of, I laughed out loud at this moment. I loved the character who... Uh, shush somebody by putting their middle finger into their <laughs> mouth. That made me laugh so hard. I'm yes. Gonna, I'm going to do that. It's just such a great idea of like, shut up uh, by flipping It'd be harder up. to do that in person. Yeah, now we can't do that in person because we can't touch people, but like that, that was such a nice, instead of like putting your finger to your mouth being like, shh, you put your finger to their mouth and you do it with the middle finger and it's just, it's, it's more forceful and I appreciate that. Uh, but this um, that's book. a great one panel review of this book. But yeah. let me throw out a couple other ideas. Okay. Um, I think this is and it's going to end up being like a tech. It's a tech book where people escaped into a fantastical world where the magic was real. Um, but I uh, echo Alex in that it is truly it feels like a spiritual inheritor of saga. It's super complex and um, really uh, well done. Yeah, it is a great book. I do very much enjoy it. 
We also get, uh, just last thing I'll say, and then we'll move on. We get a hint of why the title is Dryad in this book. And again, it's just a huge twist. I don't know how long they can keep this up, but every... Well, every issue so far, there's multiple things that we're like, uh, what is this? What is this book about? Like, what is this book really? Because it keeps twisting it, but in the right way where it illuminates more information versus making it more confusing. So good. Next one up. I talked about this a little bit on the live show, but I'll repeat what I said there. Excellence number eight from Image Comics, written by Brandon Thomas, art by Kari Randolph. Oh, yeah. We have loved every issue of this book so far, but this is the issue that it feels like this is the book of the moment. This is the book that if you want yes, to under- this book needs to be a series, a TV series, just like right now. It yeah. feels yeah. like so present. It's ready to go. So if you haven't been reading it, it is about a uh, magical society. In the magical society, there is a hierarchy of people throughout the society, um, but they are all black, right? So, and as far as we've known so far in the previous seven issues, the magicians of the society have all been trying to create corrections on the lives of other people. If you've been paying attention, you have noticed that they are all white people, or they're mostly white people that they've been providing corrections on in the series. This issue, uh, what is the name of the society? Do either of you remember what the name of the society is? Uh, Shitty white people. No. Oh, the Ancestry. The Ancestry. So that's the name of the uh, black community, magician community. In this issue, very briefly, we get an introduction to a white society that has been existing alongside the black society called the Supremacy. And oh. it includes not only men in a Ku Klux Klan outfit, but also a certain golfing overweight dude in a red hat. And it's just so mm. fucking pointed. I like those qualities you highlighted. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, like not to let that take over the issue because the character stuff that yeah. goes on with the main character where he's called into an interrogation, but it turns out actually to be a test for his revolution is so good. Every issue of this like has such a very clear, specific focus issue by issue adds magic and fleshes out the world. But this thing that's been trucking along in the background finally comes to the foreground and it's so smart, so present. You have to pick up this book. Yeah. And I also like the little piece at the end that Skybound does about standing in support of Black Lives Matter. It's really great. I mean, this book has been kind of uh, uh, killing it. And uh, I'm I'm glad to see that they're like really behind it, and uh, it's it's really impressive the creativity, the art. It's got a style all its own. It's it's really badass and worth checking out. So good, it's ex truly excellent. Yeah, nice. The last one to talk about Dungeons and Dragons Infernal Tides number four from IDW, written by Jim Zub and art by Max Dunbar. Zub we got Zubhub on our live show next week, so definitely check that out. Uh, but we talked about the last issue of this book, and I think we were all surprised to be so into it. It is about a fantasy crew that's about to be sucked into hell. Things get worse. This issue, uh, what do you think about this one? Well, I mean, it's one of those things where, you know, 
when you go to hell, things are going to get worse. You know, I mean, that's kind of part of it. But, yeah, I really uh, – Yeah. I appreciate where it picked up and where it kind of left us. I, I think this is a really great book. Uh, I'm enjoying the action, and I don't mind the dialogue. I feel like they do such a good job with it of, like, moving the story in a way that you weren't like, all right, with all the talking, get back to the action. But it's very creative. It's very cool. Um, yeah, and uh, the hell stuff is really badass and cool. I love the way they play out the sort of contract with the devil stuff in this. Like, yeah, it's really yeah. smartly done and really well considered, uh, like, throughout the whole. It, it's a complex book because there's so much happening, and each piece really locks in well in this issue specifically. It's good stuff. All right. If you'd like to support our podcast, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out at Comic Book Live on Twitter, iTunes, Android, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe and listen to the show. ComicBookClubLive.com for this podcast and many more. We'll see you at the virtual comic book shop. Mm-hmm.